Praise the Lord, everyone. If you have your Bibles this evening, we're going to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47 and starting at verse 1, it says, Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under from the right side of the house, at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the gate, out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without unto the utter gate, by the way that looketh eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles. Again he measured a thousand, and brought me through the waters, the waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand, and brought me through the waters, and brought me through, the waters were to the loins. Afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And this evening, with the help of the Lord, I want to minister from the thought, satisfied in shallow, satisfied in shallow. If one more time we could just lift our hands. Oh Lord, we thank you for the presence that we feel in this place. Your anointing is in your house this evening, God. And I know that the word that you have laid upon my heart is for your people at this time. You want to challenge them, God. You have come again to knock. You have come again to draw and you have come again to call us to what you would have us to be, God. And I just pray that as your word goes forth this evening, that it would find good ground in our hearts, that it would bring forth fruit. That we would not sit here passively, God, waiting for this service to be over. But that we would yearn to hear from what you have to say, God. Hallelujah. Have your way in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel was one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. He is a prophet at a time when the people of God find themselves in exile. During this time, Ezekiel receives incredible visions from the Lord, some of which were fulfilled during the return from exile and some of which are still yet to be fulfilled. In our opening text, we read about a portion of one of those visions. In this vision, Ezekiel sees waters flowing out of the temple and running into the surrounding areas. From what Ezekiel describes, the origin of these waters is from the altar in the temple. Ezekiel is taken out into these waters, and for the first little while, they are ankle deep. And as he continues to walk in these waters, they begin to get deeper, reaching his knees and then his waist. The waters eventually deepen to the point where the only way to continue in them would be to swim. Water is a symbol that is used consistently through Scripture to represent the Spirit of God. In John chapter 4, Jesus speaks with the Samaritan woman at the well and offers her water that will cease her thirst forever. And the Lord spoke to us with that very scripture tonight. It says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. Jesus speaks of this same water again in John chapter 7. 
It says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. There is a popular school of thought amongst Christianity that would suggest believing in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice is what gives you access to his spirit. Please do not misunderstand me. Belief and faith in Jesus is a very important part of salvation. But if you truly believe in Jesus Christ, then you believe in the word of God because Jesus is the living word. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And if you believe in the infallible word of God, then the word says that repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues is the only way to be saved. It is not by accident that the rivers of water in Ezekiel originate at the altar. The altar is a place of sacrifice and death. And it is because of the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that living water now flows. It is why that when we identify with death through repentance and we identify with his burial through baptism and we identify with his resurrection through the infilling of the Holy Ghost that out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. And it all begins at an altar. Not necessarily the physical location at the front of this church, but a place where we are willing to admit that we have sinned and we have wronged God. A place where we are willing to sacrifice our plans and our control over every part of our lives and place it in the hands of Jesus. A place where we commit to no longer living according to how our flesh desires, but how his spirit desires. A place where we accept that Jesus is the lover of our soul. And despite knowing every part of our flawed humanity, he was still willing to die that we may live again. If you have never found yourself at such an altar, I want to encourage you this evening that the rivers still flow. The river is still flowing. God is not struggling to keep up with demand. Like the old song says, there is a vast supply. If you will step out in faith, hallelujah. The spirit of God can begin to flow in your life, but it all begins at an altar. Just like Ezekiel, when we are born again, we step into that river. We begin to grow an understanding of God and form a relationship with him. And like the river that we read about, as we continue to develop this understanding and relationship, it's as if we step out further into the deeper waters. We thank God that he does not desire to keep us at arm's length, but he desires a closeness and an intimacy with each of us. He does not desire to be untouched, unreached, some God that we cannot comprehend or experience, but he desires to dwell in each of us, to have a closeness with us. After all, that is why we were created. God has never denied us the opportunity to know him more. He has never denied us more understanding of his word. We are the ones who limit ourselves. We decide what is enough of God. We decide how close he gets in our lives. We decide how much influence God has in our lives. So often it is us that steps back and chooses to remain where we are rather than going deeper. 
We are living in a time where there is an immense hunger and desire from people to encounter something real. What most people do not understand is that in order to get what they need, they need to lay aside what they want. We live in a very polarized culture. On one side, we want everything right now. We want free next day delivery on everything. We want answers to our questions without the study. We want skills without the practice. We want success without the work. We want what we want, and we want it now. And this creates the fast-paced, task-driven world we all live in. But then on the other hand, instead of maintaining a consistent routine that allows us to get things done, we procrastinate. We put off what could be done today until tomorrow. And if we are not careful, this attitude can start to affect the way that we approach God. We all have things we want from God. I spend many a morning commute praying, Lord, please keep the traffic moving this morning. Or if I'm trying to find a park in a busy shopping center, Lord, please give me a car park. And the Lord is faithful, and he will often give me a parking spot. But there are also things that God wants from us. And it's these things that we put off, or we ignore, or we explain away, or we excuse away. We're too busy. It's not the right time. This isn't what we had in mind for this stage of our life. We love to define what God is in our lives. He's our savior, our provider, our healer, our deliverer, our defender. And all of those are true. But these are all parts of God that benefit us. God is also our king. He's our ruler. He's our master, he's our creator, and he is our father. And in each of these roles, there is an expectation of our obedience. And I was thinking about this message as I was driving to work the other morning, and I felt the Lord impress something in my spirit. You expect me to answer your prayers instantly, but yet when I ask something of you, you deny me the same expectation. And I began to think of all the times God has asked something of me. And rather than simply simply obeying, I fought it. I explained it away or I ignored it. In this room tonight, we are all at different depths in the river. Some of us have only recently stepped in and others have been here a lot longer. Some of us may be deciding whether this river is worth stepping into. And this evening, you may find yourself standing in ankle or knee-deep rivers, satisfied with your progression and your commitment. But I believe that God has been speaking to us, requiring some deeper things of us, requiring us to step out from the comfort of ankle-deep waters and go deeper into the river, requiring us to challenge our idea of what it means to sacrifice requiring us to challenge our idea of what it means to be anointed, of what it means to be consecrated, challenging us to consider, have we become satisfied with shallow? Have we become satisfied with shallow? Ezekiel was unable to comprehend the size of the river he walked through. What we experience of God is just a taste of his greatness. We had a fantastic worship service this evening, but it's only a taste 
of what he has to offer us. It's just a small part. This is nothing compared to what heaven will be like. This is nothing compared to the glory and the presence that we will experience one day when he comes back for his church. God does not just give us a taste and expect us to be satisfied with that, but he invites us deeper into the river. He calls out to us and asks us to come. The Lord has been speaking to us, asking us to go deeper, to go further than we have dared to go before. There is so much that he wants to accomplish in our lives, in our families, and in this church. But we stand and we delay and we do not offer him the same instant answer that we demand of him. I'm thankful that he is faithful and gracious. And despite our faltering, he will continue to call us. But we need to understand that that faltering hurts us. It hurts our spiritual development. It hurts our families. And it hurts our church. And so I pose this question to you. Are you satisfied with shallow? Are you satisfied with shallow? The first indicator that we are satisfied with shallow is our diet. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 says, For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Just as our physical diet affects our development, so does our spiritual. Many of us began life sustained by milk, but it is only for a very short period of our lives that our diet only consists of milk. While milk may sustain, it is other substantial foods such as meat that develop. Your immune system, your ability to communicate your language, these are all impacted by your diet at a young age. If all you consume is milk, then your development will be impaired, and it is the same in the spiritual. If all we choose to consume are the basic principles of God's word, then we will not develop. In the passage we just read, the writer of Hebrews corrects his audience because they continue to require the basics taught to them when they are at a point where they should be able to teach them. The plan of salvation is important, but it is not the only thing this book has to offer. For most of us, salvation was taught to us by someone else. But just as t children learn to eat independently, so do we. It is important that we hear the preaching of the word. It is important that we are in the house of God and we are challenged by his word. But if you want to step out into some deeper waters, then Sunday service cannot be your only source of meat. We need to challenge ourselves to look beyond the fundamental principles and to take the time to delve into the deeper understanding that can be found in God's word. This will take your time, but it is worth it. You can be sustained in shallow or you can be developed in deep. Milk serves a purpose for a moment. But if we choose to continue to sat be satisfied by the basics, that is where we will stay. We will stay satisfied with shallow. So why don't we like meat? 
Is it because it's hard to take sometimes, as Sister Emma preached last week? Yes. Does meat require more chewing, more effort to break down and understand? Yes. But ultimately, you can't get meat without death. In the physical, we get meat when flesh is removed from its source of life. The same is true in the spiritual. If we want to get deeper into the word of God, then there are some things that have to die. There are some things that cannot live in the deep water. I'm not talking about sin this evening, even though, yes, our sinful nature needs to die daily. But I'm talking about things that we do that occupy our time, that occupy our heart, and that occupy our mind. The things God brings to our mind when we pray and ask him to reveal the things in our spirit that are not profitable. The things that when God convicts us about them, we spend more time justifying why it's actually not that bad. I don't think God meant it that way. Church, we do not serve a double-minded God. When he speaks, his word is final. There is no new addition. There is no alternative interpretation. He said what he said, and he said it for a reason. You may not understand why, and that's okay. But if you will obey, and if you will sacrifice what is required, then the river will come a little higher. Your relationship and understanding of God will get a little deeper. Your ability to discern between good and evil will be enhanced, and you will understand why those things had to go. There are places of great depth that God wants to take his people, but we remain satisfied in shallow because we are not willing to release and let go. So we convince ourselves that ankle-deep waters, that's enough. We can survive with ankle-deep waters. We can be content with salvation and not much more. But as we heard this morning, salvation was not the only purpose of Calvary. When you were born again, you became a child of God. But you also became a servant in a kingdom with a master. What are you not willing to kill? What are you fighting with God over? Why are you satisfied with shallow? Hebrews chapter 3 verse 8 says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. The Israelites had been promised a land. They had been delivered from the oppression of Egypt. They had crossed through a parted sea. They had been provided for day after day. And yet when it came time to claim their promise and conquer their land, they doubted God's ability to deliver them from the land, to deliver them the land. They tempt God. And as a result, there is a generation who do not see the promised land. So what does it mean to tempt God? You tempt God when you disobey him and expect there to be no consequences to get away with it. You tempt God when you don't believe that what he has promised will come to pass. You tempt God when he invites you into deeper waters and you say, no thanks, I'm good with shallow. There are many times throughout the scripture when the word unbelief is used and we tend to perceive unbelief as denying the existence of God. But perhaps a more accurate word in these situations would be disobedience. Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 5 says, And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, 
and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. The Israelites were not denied access to the promised land because they denied the existence of God. They were denied access because they treated his commandments as optional and open to interpretation. That they could be answered at a more convenient time. The Bible is very clear about the consequences of disobedience and unbelief. And we, just like the Israelites, have a promise. We have a promise of entering into rest. But if we want to make it, if we want to get to heaven, then when God says it's time to go deeper, then it's time to go deeper. When God says it's time to lay some things down, then it's time to lay those things down. Not after we have established our career, not after we've grown our families, not when we have comfortably set up our lives, but now. Yes, he is a God of mercy and grace. And I'm so thankful that he is because we need that. We would not have salvation without that. But he is also a God of judgment. And when we deny him obedience, we do not just tempt a God of grace and mercy, but we tempt a God of judgment. You may be satisfied with shallow, but God, if God is calling you to something deeper, then he is not satisfied with you in shallow waters. To deny him is to tempt him, and it risks our own fate. Are you satisfied with shallow? Another indicator that you may be satisfied with shallow is your relationship with the house of God. Yes, attending the house of God consistently and regularly is important. But there is more to it than that. See, there are people that I see every day at work, consistently and regularly. And I'll say good morning to them when I arrive and see you tomorrow when I leave. And that is the extent of our relationship. Because while I may be consistently and regularly showing up, I'm not consistently and regularly investing in those relationships. And the same can be said of church. I can come to services week in and week out. And I've been doing this long enough now that I can clap my hands in all the right places and I can lift my hands and I can sing and I can even listen to the preaching and amen a couple of times. To everyone else, it may look like I'm drowning in the spirit of God. But that doesn't fool God because all he sees are wet ankles. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left of us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them when they heard it. In order for the word we hear in this place to profit our lives, it needs to be mixed with faith. When the word of God goes forth in this place, it is not something we can participate in passively and still expect to be benefited. You can listen to nothing but preaching and teaching 24-7, but until you heed the word of God, until the principles that are taught become real in our lives, until the challenges that come over this pulpit are accepted, and until the warnings that are spoken are heeded, then there is no profit. We love powerful services in the house of God. We love when God's presence comes and saturates this place. We love to feel his power, his victory and strength in this place. And do not misunderstand me. Those things are important for the strengthening and edification of this church. But an enjoyable worship service will not save your soul. 
passively sitting on a pew in a service will not save your soul. We heard this morning about the hope that we have of what is to come. The Bible says that we should fear missing out on that. But if all we are interested in is the shallow, if all we are satisfied with is the shallow, if we are not taking the word that is preached and applying it to our lives, if we are not taking the opportunities we are given to respond to the word of God, then we need to shake ourselves. We need to consider the things that God is asking of us. Are they really worth the price that we are paying? Is our earthly disobedience really worth the eternal consequences? Have we considered the consequences of being satisfied with shallow? Sister Zanker, if I can get you to the piano, please. And if we could all stand. Tonight, I do not know where you stand. You may be ankle deep. You may be knee deep. You may be waist deep. You may even be making a decision about whether you step into the river. I don't know where you stand, but God does. And I know that he is calling his people deeper. That in these last days, he has a desire for his people to partake in the depths of his spirit. To no longer be satisfied by what has become routine and common practice. But his desire is for us to experience his presence in a way that we have never before. His desire is for a closeness with us that we have never had. His desire is for a deeper relationship with his people. And he has been knocking. He has been calling. He has been drawing us near. And yet we have remained in the shallow. We have remained in what we have deemed acceptable. We have remained where we are comfortable. We have resisted obedience. We have chosen to be satisfied with shallow. But because of his faithfulness, he has not let us go astray. But he is here tonight to once again knock and to once again draw and to once again call us to remind us of what he has asked of us. To remind us of the things that he has asked us to lay down. To remind us of the place that he has called us to go. To step out of the shallows and to meet him in the deep. To no longer be satisfied by milk, but to be developed by meat. He is here to provide another opportunity for obedience. Will you answer the call? Will you step out of the shallow? Will you obey what God has asked of you? Hallelujah. Why don't we just lift our hands? 